0: with me to Luke 10 and 35. Luke 10 and 35. If you don't have your Bibles, I believe we have it up on the screens for your viewing pleasure. But let's read Luke 10 and 35. It says, on the next day, when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper and said to him take care of him and said to him take care of him and whatever more you spend when i come again i will repay you just simply put just ask somebody sitting next to you do you have the promise although promises are made thank you sir Although promises are made too often, the required integrity that's needed is not treated the same with the intensity in which the promises were given. Promises are made to help gain access or to initiate good feeling or a good act. But the work that's needed to maintain or increase the value of the promise and to bring out the ultimate goal or performance of the promise is usually left lacking we're living in a day when people don't try to keep the promises they make some act as if they don't remember that they even made the promises sometimes promises are made but when the initial exchange is made the promise of completion tends to go away No matter the area of life, some promises are made constantly with no real preparation or intention to fulfill them. Think about it. At the beginning of each year, resolutions, which are really promises, are made to engage in activities that promote health and longevity, only to be forgotten a few short weeks later, a promise to eat better. a promise to commit to exercising for 20 minutes five days a week. Oh it hit me first. A promise to invest a hundred dollars a month towards your financial independence only to be eaten up at Starbucks, D&D, and other places. Can I get an amen? Yeah. Promises are made to be on time for work. Did I write this all the way? It says promises are made to be on time for church service. That's what it says. I'm I'm just reading. I'm reading. We make promises to our kids. Promises to our spouses. Promises to our loved ones. We make promises to ourselves we don't keep we tell ourselves things that we have no intention on keeping as if we don't know we don't have any intention on keeping. And we hoodwink ourselves every time. Promises. I'm so glad that Jesus doesn't make promises like we make them. I'm glad that when he makes us promises, he puts his name and his word on it. And he honors his word. He he puts his own reputation on the promises that he makes to us. And he never fails us. When Jesus made his promises to us, he made sure that we can stand on them. Numbers 23 and 19 says, God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. He has said And will he not do it? Or has he spoken? And will he not make it good? Isaiah 43 and 2 says, When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. His promise. Second Peter 1 and 4 says, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. The 91st Psalm verse 14 and 15 says, because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. Ask somebody, do you have the promise? If we can for a second, let's go back to Luke 10 and 35. Let's look at our text. The text speaks of someone coming, someone doing something, asking for something to, or preparing for something to be continued and promising to come back and complete the work. Although this isn't speaking specifically about Jesus, I believe it gives us a good understanding of how a promise is kept. So let's look back at Luke 10 and, 10 and 35. The first point the premise of the promise. It says, on the next day, when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper. The Samaritan knew that he was leaving. He knew that he was going out of town. He knew that he was going to a place that would separate him from this person that he just showed exceeding great love and mercy towards. Because remember the story, The samaritan was the only one who saw this man beaten and half dead life about to leave him and he took compassion it says that a priest and a levite walked by but they didn't want to have anything to do with him we got to get our acts together but the samaritan took pity The Samaritan used his resources. The Samaritan used what he had to help someone he had no reason to. And not only did he do that, but he knew that I can stay with him for a little while, but I have to go. He knew that I had to leave. But he left something so that the innkeeper would know that I'm coming back. Continue the work. I'm coming back continue healing this man and anything else I'm coming back and he gave his word so that the innkeeper could stand on it Jesus knew they Jesus knew that one day he would leave the earth and had to give his disciples and all that would believe something that we could stand on and hold on to while he was gone. Even when we don't see him, we have his word. We have his promise. Point two, the purpose of the promise. And said to him, take care of him. And whatever more you spend. Love and compassion drove the Samaritan to go out of his way to heal this man and provide for his needs and his well-being. So the Samaritan, again, didn't have to, but he chose to. He decided to. But when he invested his time and his energy into saving this man, he now has to invest himself and in all of his attributes to complete the work. Right? Because he could have just went, the Bible says that he stayed with him for a day or two, and he bandaged him up and healed him. He could have said, all right, you're good, I'm out and never returned. And the, guy, the man would have had to been grateful just for that act. But the Samaritan said, no, no. I'm not only gonna take care of what I did for you, but he said, anything else. <laughs> anything else that he needs. Any other costs Or expenses or issues that may arise. He already paid for what he was dealing with. He already paid for what had already happened to him. He had already paid for and dealt with whatever his response was to his plight in life at that point. He paid for that. He settled that debt. Because not only did he pay for him to be there, but he paid for whatever resources and supplies needed to get this man back to a certain level of health. He paid for that and dealt with whatever issues the man was going through. Because remember, the Bible says this man was beaten up, robbed and left for dead. So not only was there physical trauma, but there was psychological trauma. But the Samaritan dealt with that. But not only did he deal with all of those things up until that point, he said, whatever else, you spend. So if there are any relapses, if there are any, any, any things that trigger him to fall back, if he gets weak again, if he gets hurt again, if his mind gets messed up again, whatever you spend, I'm coming back to take care of that. So not only did he take care of his issues, his expenses, his debt at that point, but he said, I'm gonna cover any future issues, expenses, debt that may come up. Jesus loved us so much that he came down from his throne in heaven to be our healer. He came down from all praise in heaven to be our deliverer. He came down from all worship in heaven to be our provider. He came down from all adoration in heaven just to be our savior. There isn't anything that we'll ever need that his promise will not take care of. The promise that he leaves for us will make us whole and complete. He took care of everything that we needed, but then left us with a promise that's going to take care of things that's down the road. And it's going to make us whole. Not just going to heal us, but going to make us whole. Not just going to satisfy us, but going to make us complete. Colossians 2. Let's jump to Colossians 2, 9 and 10. It says, for in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. So if we're in him and the fullness of the Godhead is in him, then when we get in him, we're standing next to the fullness of the Godhead because it's in him. So everything that the Godhead can supply, I'm standing next to. (laughs) Everything that the Godhead can perform, I'm standing next to. Everything that the Godhead promises about my life I'm standing next to it. Look at somebody and ask them, Do you have your promise? Yeah. Point number three, the position of the promise. Let's go back to Luke 10 and 35. Thank you, media team. Y'all are wonderful. The position of the promise, and it reads, When I come again. Thank you, preacher. Not if, but when. It's a definitive. The Samaritan used the fact that he came by the first time to save the half-dead man on the road. He used that to show his level of determination that he going to come back. Right? Right? So, he knew that the innkeeper knew that this man was beat up. He knew that the innkeeper knew that this man was about to die. He knew that this innkeeper knew that this man obviously didn't have any friends. He knew that the innkeeper knew that this man had just been robbed, beaten, and violated. He knew that the innkeeper knew that Somebody either going to the temple or coming from the temple, right? Because if you look at the destinations where they were, the temple was here in Jerusalem. They were staying in Jericho. So along that path, the priests and the Levites either went to go serve in Jerusalem at the temple or come back home and live in Jericho so you have preachers and 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 levites and people who sing and serve in the church either going to church or coming from church walking past this man who needed help He knew, the Samaritan knew that the innkeeper knew that everybody who's supposed to be religious, everybody that's supposed to be righteous, everybody that's supposed to have the love of God, he knew that they walked past him, but the Samaritan, the one that people looked down on, the one who was considered a half-breed, the one who who wasn't worthy to stand in church, stopped by and showed the love of Christ. The Samaritan knew that the innkeeper knew that it was the one who people looked down on him, stopped and showed the love of Christ and all of his power to this person that others have violated. So the Samaritan knew that the innkeeper knew and understood the gravity and determination and love and power he was operating in. So now when he tells that man, look, look here, bro. I came and took care of my man here. I didn't have to, but I came down from whatever I was doing and wherever I was going, I stopped and saw him and I canceled my plans and picked him up. So if I'm going to do all of that, if i'm gonna go out my way to do that if i'm gonna stop everything i'm doing to do that when i tell you i'm coming back you can bank on it jesus constantly reminds us in the bible and the apostles constantly remind us in the bible that if jesus came down to die for us we can be certain that he'll come back and get us Let's look at Philippians 1 and 6. Philippians 1 and 6. It says, being confident in this very thing that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Let's look at the fourth point. The power of the promise. Let's go back to Luke 10 and 35. I like this media team. Y'all are something special. The power of the promise. It says, and I, excuse me, it simply says, I will repay you. The Samaritan spoke with utter confidence that when he returned from wherever he was going, he was going to be endowed with the provisions. (laughs) When he came back from wherever he was going, he was going to have provision he was gonna have power. He was gonna be able to perform everything that could have ever arisen in that man's life that was needed, he was gonna be able to satisfy it. That wherever he was going, whatever he was gonna engage in once he got there, whatever he was gonna be doing, Whatever he was going to be given when he got to wherever he was going that when he came back His pockets was gonna be full His bank account was gonna be bigger His pool was gonna be greater His networking was gonna be fuller His prestige was gonna be higher His his possibility was gonna be limitless. His extent was gonna be endless, right? His provision was gonna be infinite He knew that where he was going and that whatever he was going to bring back was going to be more than enough than whatever that man that was about to die that he saved could possibly need. I'm sorry, y'all. I'm thinking about myself right now. Anything that the innkeeper may have lost, he was going to come back in supply. Jesus may have died as the sacrificial lamb, but now he's coming back as the soon coming king. <laughs> he died quietly. For the Bible says that he didn't say a word. But look at that. Look, first of all, look at the sacrifice. The sacrifice usually was an animal. An animal is alive, like us. Animals aren't dumb. They know when they're about to die. And I believe, I'm not the smartest zoologist, but I believe that when you take an animal, bind it and put it on an altar and come at it with a knife or a sword, it realizes it's about to die and it starts to fight and kick. Jesus didn't do that. Jesus went out silently. The Bible says he didn't say a word. He sat quietly while he went through everything why he went through the sacrifice, why he went through the torture, why he went through the beating, why he went through the the anguish? why he went through the the, the hurt, the pain, the disappointment, why he went through everything on our behalf. He sat there and took it and didn't say a word. He could have thought about all the things that you were going to do, but he didn't say a word. He could have thought about all the times we was going to turn our back on him, but he didn't say a word. He could have thought about all the times that we we would say things about one another in the church but he didn't say a word he took his punishment just as quiet as he could but the bible says that when he comes back it's going to be a shout like a trumpet and the sky is going to open up and we'll hear his voice and those that who have gone on they're going to get out the grave but we that remain we will be caught up in the air to go back with him Don't play Jesus as a punk. Jesus was not a punk. Jesus was a man's man, but he was a God's God. The Bible lets us know he was man of every very man, but God of very God. Talks about his deity, his duality in existence. He was a complete man and he felt things as a man, but he handled them as a God. That's the one that you serve. That's the one that's coming back to get you. That's the one who's empowering you. That's the one who's got you on his mind. That's the one that made you a promise. Matthew 28 and 18. Matthew 28 and 18 says, and Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority. We can dance real quick for five minutes and go home on that. He said, all authority. All power. Elder. Elder elder it says all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth he does he's not just all power but he has all power in his hands so it doesn't make a difference what you're going through because the God you serve has all power in heaven the God you serve has all power in earth He has it to control, he has it to wield, he has it to distribute as he wants and it's in his hands. And that same God made you a promise. Look at your neighbor and ask him, do you have the promise? In order for the Samaritan's promise of paying when he returned In order for the Samaritan's promise of paying when he returned to carry any weight, he had to do something or be known to do something so when he gave his word, his works would support him. Now, the Bible doesn't say much about him. It just says a certain Samaritan. We don't get get much of a backdrop about him. But we can tell a lot by his actions. We can tell a lot by what the innkeeper believed about him. If there's any business owners out there, somebody can look real nice and say what they want, but they better have your money before they leave your establishment. I see Sister Marlene back there. Am I telling the truth? And all you other business owners, if they don't have the money, their words don't mean nothing. But this Samaritan, when he spoke, something about him gave Gave, gave, gave the authority for him to ask what he wanted on behalf of this man who couldn't take care of himself. It would be done, and then he left a promise. We know what Jesus has done for us in the past. We don't see too much about the, about the Samaritan, but we know what God has done. We know what Jesus has completed for us. We know what Jesus has brought us out of. We know what Jesus has healed us of. We know how Jesus has kept our family members. We know how Jesus has made a way in no way. We know how Jesus has caused rivers to roll in our deserts. We know that Jesus has made a way in our wilderness experience. We know all of those things about Christ. And a promise, it is at its fullest strength, it's maximum strength when it's backed by good works and a trusted word. The Bible says in the in 138th Psalm verse 2, I will worship towards your holy temple and praise your name for your loving kindness and your truth. For you have magnified your word above all your name. Every good promise is backed by a previous performance. John 10 and 18 says, No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it again. This command I have received from my father. We aren't given much about the Samaritan and his capabilities, but they had to be good enough that when he made the promise to return and pay the remaining bill, the innkeeper had no problem standing on his promise. We already know Jesus' performances in, in, in previous performances in our lives. And the fact that if he can die and then have the power to get up, I can stand on his promise that he would never leave me nor forsake me. If he can die and then have the power to get up, I can stand on his promise to come back and take me with him. If he can die and then have the power to get up, I can stand on his promise that if I seek his kingdom and his righteousness first, he'd give me anything I needed. If he can die and then have the power to get up, I can stand on his promise that whatever I ask for in his name, he'd do it. If he can die and then have the power to get up, I can stand on his promise that with God, all things are possible. If he can die and then have the power to get up, I can stand on his promise that he would fight my battles if I just keep quiet. If he can die and then have the power to get up again, I can stand on his promise that if I suffer with him, I will reign with him. Ask your neighbor, do you have the promise? Now, real quick, real quick. In the business world, in the business world, dealing with contracts and legal documents, in order to buy things that you may not have the full money for, you have to take out a loan. Right? You have to take out a loan or some type of financial instrument that will front you the provision, but you have to pay for it later. But usually those type of loans or contracts, they're collaterally based, right? And a collaterally based loan is that you have to show that you have it. No one cares about what you said. You have to show financial solvency in order to get this loan, or you're not going to get it. It doesn't mean anything. Your good word don't mean jack. But what they have is a promissory note. They have a promissory note that's usually not collaterally based. A promissory note is extended to people whose name is good. A promissory note is extended to people whose word is good and the promisor, when they make this promissory note, the debt can be paid based on past performances of the promisor. If what the promisor did in the past was good, then we'll take him at his word that what he's gonna do in the future is good. But watch this, the promissor writes the promissory note to define it to the institution, but the promisee gets the benefits. The promisee can go and get what they need because the promissor left a promissory note. The promissor gave the promise that whatever he needs Give it to him, because on my word, I'm coming back. He can have it, and I'm going to take care of anything else that may go over and above what I left. Jesus is the promisor. And he left a promise that I'm leaving you now, but I'm going to send another. And he's going to help you. He's gonna keep you He's going to lead you And 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 we can stand on that because We're the promisee We didn't have nothing to do with this except for bringing the debt We didn't have anything to do with this except for bringing our issues. We didn't have anything to do with this except for bringing our messiness. We didn't have anything to do with this except for bringing all of our nonsense. But the promised source says, I will clean up your nonsense. The promised source says, I will clean up your messiness. The promised source says, I will wash away your filthy, stinking sins. The promised source says, I'm gonna leave a promise who's gonna help you in righteousness. But look, but look, that's great, but what's the promise? Let's go to Ephesians 1. Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. I thought pastor was going to preach this while he was praying this morning. It says, in him you also trusted." All right, so let's, let's get that out the way. In order to receive this promise, you have to trust in Jesus Christ. You have to trust in the Lord God, Jesus, your Savior. You have to give over your sins for his sanctification. You have to give up your wretchedness for his righteousness. Right? In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth. So you heard the word. The word has been preached. The word has been taught. The word has been distributed. And when you've heard the word, you then yielded to the word. You believed the word. You came over to the word. You were sanctified by the word. You were made righteous by the word. So after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed, You were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. (laughs) Before we even get to the Holy Spirit being the promise, it says you were sealed. We can't take this gospel as being flimsy. We can't take the Holy Spirit as being weak. We can't take what God promises as something fragile that could be easily distorted, messed up, or changed. The fact is God put a seal on everybody who believes. He put a seal around you. He put a seal over you. If you think about it, when when Jesus, when Jesus died and they took him to the tomb, they said he was sealed in the tomb that no man can move the stone. It took an angel to move the stone. When God seals you, don't you tell me about no devil in hell. You got angels protecting that seal. You got God's promises protecting that seal that seal is not easily broken that seal is not easily uh, deteriorated that seal will not give to the influences of the enemy because you got angels (laughs) you got the Holy Spirit working on you you got the Holy Spirit working inside of you because it says though you've been sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. Now, hold it. I want to read that again, but i read it in the, the New Living Translation. It says, same scripture, but the New Living Translation, it says, And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit, whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify him. Now, I want to read that one more time, but in the Christian Standard Bible. In him, you also were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. When you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and when you believe, the Holy Spirit is the down payment of our inheritance until the redemption of the possession to the praise of his glory. That promise of the Holy Spirit is the down payment. Now, when you make a down payment on something, you're securing it. Any, I'm, I'm, tell, I'm telling my age right now. I'm, maybe a few of y'all might remember this. Remember a thing called layaway? Y- y'all remember that? Y'all remember layaway? It was something you wanted to buy and you had to put something on it in, to, in order to secure it and it was called layaway. You can go away and come back, but if you didn't put enough down, they might sell it. But if you put down a good down payment, if you put down a secure amount to seal it, they took it off the shelf and put it in a cage behind lock and key so no one else can bother it what i'm trying to tell you is the down payment that god the father has given you on behalf of jesus christ that down payment is secure enough that down payment seals you behind lock and key that down payment secures you within a cage a hedge that nothing can get to you he pulls you off the shelf of sin pulls you off the shelf of this world. He pulls you off the shelf where it, it, the enemy can't get to you and locks you away behind a hedge of protection. He shields you in his pavilion. In his pavilion he shall hide me. He shall set me behind a rock of stone. The, the Holy Spirit seals you in a place of safety until Jesus Christ comes back to reclaim that which he purchased. Give God a praise. and we know that we can stand on his promises because the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 1 and 20, for all the promises of God in him are yes and in him amen to the glory of God through us. God's going to get glory out of keeping his promises to you. Don't you dare think that God is making promises to you and he's not getting something out of it. He knows that when the world sees that he comes back and blesses all those who are his children, the world has to now stand and say he's a mighty good God he's a god that keeps his word he's not one of our other gods that have died and we don't know where he is he's not a god that says things and we can't trace his hand all we know is that even when we can't see his hand we can trust his heart because we know that god has not left us god has not forgotten us god has not given us over to lust God has not given us over to this world, but God has sealed us with His Holy Spirit. And His Holy Spirit will work a new work in us. His Holy Spirit will work in righteousness in us. His Holy Spirit will keep us. His Holy Spirit will lift us. His Holy Spirit will provide for us. His Holy Spirit will shield us. His Holy Spirit will comfort us. His Holy Spirit will empower us. His Holy Spirit will encourage us. Give God a praise. the holy spirit of promise gets involved he comes to strengthen us he comes to protect us he comes to purify us and he comes to lead us in the path of righteousness for his name's sake let's look at romans 8 and 11 and we're done but if the spirit of him who raised jesus from the dead dwells in you He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. There's some more life to live. There's some more life to you. Everything that may have died around you, the Holy Spirit comes to give it life. Everything that's inside you that may have died, the Holy Spirit comes to quicken the dead. He comes to quicken dead hopes. He comes to quicken dead dreams. He comes to quicken dead vision. He comes to quicken dead ministry. He comes to quicken dead passion. He comes to quicken those dead things. All those things that the enemy thought he stole. All those things that the canker worm came and stole. All those things that the palmer worm came and stole. All those things that the enemy tried to hide. All those things that the enemy tried to bury. The Holy Spirit comes and flips them up. The Holy Spirit comes and gives them life. Just like Jesus got out of the grave. Your hopes are gonna get up out of the grave. Just like Jesus got up out of the grave. All your dreams are gonna get up out of the grave. Just like Jesus got up out of the grave. All your ministries gonna get up out of the grave. Ask somebody, do you have the promise? Give God a praise. Give God a praise. Come on, if you have the promise, give God a praise. You not only have the promise, but the promise gives you promises. Give God a praise. You got the Holy Spirit of promise who works out promises in you. Give him a praise. to go back and understand that the promise makes promises the promised one has promises he has to keep Jesus said I'm leaving you but I'm going to send another and he's going to speak of me and only the things that I tell him and he's going to keep you he's going to comfort you he's going to strengthen you As a matter of fact, the church doesn't live if the Holy Spirit doesn't come. But the Holy Spirit gives birth to things that Jesus wants. Because Jesus said, upon this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of hell, the magistrates of hell, the political parties of hell will not win against it. They shall not stand against it. They shall not tear the church down because the Holy Spirit of promise is going to live in you. The Holy Spirit of promise is gonna strengthen you. We just have to be willing to yield to him. We have to be willing to be the church. We have to be willing to be his righteousness. We have to be willing to be kept. We have to be willing to be strengthened by him. For he said that when the Holy Spirit comes, you shall receive power, power to be my witnesses, power to speak of me. Power to tell of my goodness. Power to tell of how I saved you. Power to tell of how I regenerated you. Power to tell of how I cleansed you. Power to tell of how I fixed you. Power to tell of how I sealed you. Power to tell of how I made you righteous. Power to tell of how I justified you. Power to tell of how I made you my own. Give God a praise.